Uh, we're continuing to learn about the importance of God's word in our lives. And one of the themes that I've noticed over the past few weeks is that we are learning that it's not enough to grow in head knowledge. Amen? You with me today? If I say something good, you can say amen. That helps me know that you are with me. So it's not enough to grow in head knowledge. Amen? But we should supplement our knowledge according to 1 Peter. If we're going to grow in knowledge, we should supplement that, the Bible says, with self-control, steadfastness, godliness, affection, and brotherly, brotherly love. And so in order to do that, we have to really take into account, we have to really take responsibility, the importance of diving into God's word every day. Amen. This is not the word of God is not something to look at just when we're about to preach and you clean off the dust that all week long. Right. You didn't look at your Bible or you didn't. You have the Bible app and you read that little verse that popped up verse of the day. You got to do more than that. Amen. If you're going to be a strong Christian, if you're going to serve God faithfully and overcome all of the enemy's schemes, you got to make the Bible, right, a priority in your life. Why is God's Word so powerful? Why is it so powerful? This is a good question, right? Very simple question, very simple answer. Look at this in Hebrews chapter 4 with me really quickly. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. If you don't have your Bible, you don't, uh, if you... If you want to pull it up on your phone or a real Bible, if not, we do have it up here. It says that the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So, you know, when people say, let's get to the heart of the matter, you know how people have said that? Let's get to the heart of the matter. That's what the Bible does in your life. It gets to the heart of the, ma the matter. It will investigate and search your heart to bring out truth and to bring out transformation. The Bible is alive. Amen? The Bible is alive. That's why it's so powerful. You know, my journey in becoming a Christian in my life is quite different than maybe a lot of you realize. You know, I did grow up in church. I grew up mostly in this church. Um, but just because you grow up in church really doesn't mean anything. Somebody say amen. Amen. The fact is, is that I struggled with my faith for a long time. I struggled throughout high school and college and even into my 20s. I struggled to make sense of my faith. Um, mostly because there was a life outside of church that was, number one, easily accessible and number two, very appealing. Anybody know what I'm talking about? If you've 
If you grow up in church, you are told something, and then you see others who are living a different life with a different standard and a different worldview, and boy, do they make it look appealing. Amen? And so as a young man growing up, um, struggled a lot with who I really wanted to be in my life. What was I supposed to do? What was my life supposed to look like? Um, there were places and friends and pleasures that I felt like I was missing out on. And so in high school and after high school, I started to live um, sort of a double life. I was having fun on Saturday and looking like a Christian on Sunday. I was the dictionary definition of hypocrite. If you're here with me today and you'd say, yeah, Andrew, I know what you're talking about. I've been there. Would you just raise your hand so that I know I'm not alone in the house? Amen. Thank you so much. Because then I was just going to turn this notes and I was just going to bring the band up and we'd be, no. no. Uh, I didn't know which way was, was up, which way was right. I didn't have that, the right sense of direction being pulled in one way, but knowing and believing that, well, there's a God out there that has a different plan for my life. What am I supposed to do? I was a young man and I wanted to pursue things that were not godly. And I constantly lived with that regret. Sunday would come, man, I messed up again. And Sunday I'd make that, I'd make that, man, you know what, today, boy, man, I'm going to We'd go to youth camp and be like, man, this year is going to be different. Yes, this is going to be amazing. I can't wait to get back to school because I'm going to tell everyone about Jesus. First day of school. We're looking at that girl, getting weed over here, drinking over here. Where's the party? Where's the fights? Who's got the biggest ego? Who's the best dressed? Jesus wasn't on my mind. But I made that commitment. One person that was always there to help me get back to north in my life was my mom. I am the funniest person to my mom. Just want you to know that. No matter what I say or what I do, my mom laughs. Right now she's laughing. 
I, I am better than any comedian in the world to my mom. My mom has always had such a way to love me and laugh with me and encourage me no matter what my life looked like at the time. And I know that uh, growing up, my father was not a Christian. He was, um, he became an alcoholic, lots of drinking in my home, um, lots of weekends of having to clean out the beer cans and take them to the dumpster with beer running down, day-old beer running down my arm. Um, uh, I wouldn't say uh, he was the most encouraging guy. Um, very rare for him to show up to a football game. and But my dad always worked hard, you know. My dad always, he never told my mom never to go to church, but my mom went to church by herself. Pulled me to church. And so me and my mom for many years would go to church together. It would just be us two in the car from Pearland to Alvin down 35. And I remember um, there was a time when it was a, it was a, it was a time when I needed to upgrade my Bible. And uh, I had a kid's, a kid, a kid's study Bible, you know, with all the pictures in it. And, uh, and I was a young buck, and I was becoming a teenager, and so my mom took me to Lifeway Christian Store. Um, I don't even know if that exists anymore. I think Mardell's is kind of the, the store now, but she took me to Lifeway, and um, she bought me a life application Bible. And she was, I will never forget showing me in the store She would show me the bottom section because I felt like I didn't understand the Bible. And she was just showing me these little sections in the Bible. Of, and it felt like someone was helping me learn more about the Bible. My mom drove me to church every Sunday morning for Sunday school and every Sunday night for night service. Because we were two services of Sunday Christians. Amen? And then every Wednesday again for full service, music and all. Happy Mother's Day, Mom. Love you. You know, but over time, I learned to become more and more drawn to scripture. I remember when I was in college and having debates with other folks who were Christian or atheists and having these debates. Thank you, babe. Happy Mother's Day to you, to the most beautiful woman in the whole wide world. Um, but I remember having these debates and, and having to go back and do some research to understand what was my theology. What did I really believe so that, because I like to debate. If you know me, I, I'll go with, I will go. I like to debate. I like to, I like to think through the, the nitty-gritty details 
of the Bible and those kinds of things. And um, I noticed that as I was getting older, that the more and more I applied to my life the things I was reading in his word, the more and more God was blessing me. I'm just going to say that again. The more and more I would study his word to maybe for ego, whatever, that if I would just be obedient to his word and pray and read and be an encourager and use my gifts in church or outside of church, that God would open doors for me, that God was blessing me, that God was trying to do something with my life. I noticed how he would bless me when I honored him, but then I noticed how easily things would fall apart when I distanced myself from him. And then there was a season in my life where God's word became so real to me through some really strong preaching of some, of some men in my life who really brought the truth of God's word. Not afraid to offend, but just to tell the truth about Jesus and all he had done. And not just Jesus' divinity, but his humanity. To see how Jesus was a man who carried a lunchbox to work and sweat and worked hard with his father, and he did all the right. I mean, it was amazing just to learn about the humanity of Jesus. And that really had an effect on me. What about you? Where are you at in your relationship with God? We did a little, uh, I did a little question to a text group of, with some friends of mine where I asked the question, would you rather go back to age six with everything you know now and start over at age six or would you, or would you take $100 million in the bank today? And I'm just telling you, I had to find, like, do I get my wife and kids? I just have to know this. But honestly, honestly, I would tell you, I, I feel like I had the best life, the best childhood growing up. But I wonder sometimes if there are definitely moments that if I could go back to that moment, amen, if I could just go back to that situation, because we see so clearly now what we couldn't see then. Amen. It's like our eyes have been opened. You knucklehead, what are you, what were you doing? If we could just go talk, you know, 10 years ago to that person in that situation, just say, I'm telling you now, it's gonna go bad. If you if you if you do that, it's gonna go bad. Oh man, I wish I could go back. And it just goes to the question, are you disappointed with where you are in life or thought where you thought you would be and what you would be doing? Even when a goal is met, sometimes we find ourselves disappointed with where we are in life. Maybe we thought we'd be doing something more that 
Maybe we'd be doing something different or maybe we'd be doing something more significant. Do you ever wonder, and is this all there is? Is there something more? Spoiler alert, yes, there is something more. There is something better. Turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14. <clears throat> Sorry, I was yelling at my son during his baseball games this past week, and I lost my voice. 2 Timothy chapter 3. I was yelling at the umps for all the bad calls, by the way. I just want you to know why I was yelling. <laughs> says this in verse 14, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Just want you to know that this is the Apostle Paul. He's talking to a young man named Timothy. Timothy is, uh, has been changed by Christ and is so eager to get to work that he goes on missionary journeys with the Apostle Paul to establish new churches. And this is a letter from Paul to Timothy. Um, Paul is like a mentor, a pastor, a father figure to Timothy. And Timothy has great ambitions, but Paul is going to tell him throughout the letter of 1st and 2nd Timothy, hey, there's a lot of false teachings out there. There's a lot of false prophets. There's a lot of persecution that's going to come your way. You need to be prepared. You need to be ready to fight the fight that's ahead of you. And so this is some of the words that Paul is telling Timothy. He says that these sacred writings are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And he goes on in verse 16 to tell about, one of, to say one of the most important statements in all of Scripture. And this is what Paul says. He says, all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man or the woman of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Say it with me, that last phrase. Ready? Equipped for every good work. Such a great passage. God is not interested in leaving you the way he found you. God is not interested in leaving you the way he found you. But to get to where he wants you, we must learn to abide and remain in his words. In his words. His words, not man's words, not people's words, not our mother's words. His words, amen? The words of people may inform us, but the word of God transforms us. Amen? And so I'm going to walk through because we're running out of time here big time. I took way too long my intro. 
So I'm just going to give you a few nuggets here as we get into this. So number first, the first thing that Paul tells Timothy is to remember who taught you. Remember who taught you how you firmly believed and know from whom you learned it. I don't know if you know this, but in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, Paul refers to Timothy's faith coming from, guess who? His grandmother and mother. Happy Mother's Day. You see how I did that? I am reminded of your sincere faith, Timothy. A faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And now I am sure dwells in you as well. Timothy had something passed on to him from his grandmother and his mother. Faith. I want you to remember, moms. I want you to remember that your faith is key to the faith of your children. If you want your children to see faith, be that example in their lives. Amen? Godly women with character and wisdom passing down the knowledge and the fear of God. Proverbs 31.30 says, Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Whatever your sphere of influence is as believers, our faith can be shared with others. Our love can be shared, and that will have amazing outcomes in the future of those around you. Around you. So, woman of God, man of God, grandmother, mother, grandfather, uncle, aunt, I just want you to know that you should be sharing your faith, especially with the young ones around you. Ask them questions. Don't just say, how's it going at work? Ask them about their relationship with God. Tell them about the love of Christ. Tell them about the mistakes you've made and the differences that God has made in your life. It's so impactful to hear and see, man, he's been in my shoes. My uncle, who, who, who I think is the greatest man I've ever seen, did some crazy things, but look how God has changed his life. I want a life like that. I want to be a father like that. I want to be a husband like that. I want to be a mom like that. Share your faith, amen? Number one, remember who taught you. Number two, God's word is holy. It is holy. He says that Timothy was acquainted with the sacred writings. And so Paul tells Timothy, this is a holy thing you're doing. This is holy. The the word of God is sufficient and holy. And then number three, God's word is powerful to save sinners. Verse 15, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able. Everybody say, are able. Are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ. That word, are able or is able, comes from the Greek word dunamai. Dunamai. Dynamai. Dynamite. It's the same word we use for dynamite, which means powerful. 
God's word is powerful to save sinners. God's word helps a person overcome foolishness, amen, and gives wisdom. And number four, all scripture, verse 16, all scripture is breathed out by God. All scripture is breathed out by God. One of the most important statements in the Bible. In 2 Peter chapter 1, it's interesting, Peter says something similar. He says, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. The breath of God is the Holy Spirit of God. How many of you know that? The breath of God is the Holy Spirit of God. That when he breathes life, he's breathing the Holy Spirit, the person and the work of the Holy Spirit into a situation. And so he says that all these authors were carried along by the Holy Spirit to write. It wasn't just men who were, okay, inspired in a way that, oh, you know what, I think this is a good idea. No, that God was intentional about every word that was written onto those pages. And Paul tells Timothy, don't forsake the truth of these writings because these writings are God-breathed. Just think about that for a moment. I mean, if you have your Bible, just kind of hold your Bible like this. Just hold your Bible like this. If you got your Bible, just hold it up like this. Like this. Do you know that you hold in your hands the very words of God? The very words of God. The creator of the universe has breathed out a book that we can read the mind of God. We can read the mind of God. I want you to know that from some Sunday to Sunday, you might hear Irving preach, Jonathan preach, myself preach, or you may sit in a life group and you may hear a life group leader teach. You may hear a, listen to a preaching on the Internet. But I want you to know something. The divine voice sounding from this pulpit stays exactly the same. Because his word never changes, it is fixed forever, and God breathed scripture, which means that what we are listening to and applying to our lives through his word is what is breathed out by God, and that there is power in his words. Amen? We are just messengers. The glory does not go to us. We are not in competition with each other. We are wanting to hear not my words, but the divine words of God. Amen? So important. And I think if there is any key to God's blessing over the history of this 60-year-old church, it's this, that we have continued in, remained in the God-breathed, gospel-centered, inerrant word of God. So let's continue for the next 60 years. Amen? In verse number... and, and. The last part of this scripture says that that all scripture is God breathed, verse 16, and 
profitable for teaching, reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. In verse 17, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Equipped means that we can be transformed, empowered, enabled to do the good that needs to be done. The God-breathed Bible aims to make us doers of the word, not just hearers only. Amen? Don't miss that. We're taught the word, and then we're, the Bible says we're reproved. That is, our errors are pointed out, and we're stopped in our tracks. And then we're corrected. That means that we're turned around from the harmful way that we were going and we're pointed in the right way. That's what moms do. Amen? They know things that they shouldn't know. Did you turn that off? How how did you know? How did you know? Did you put deodorant on? Yes. Go put deodorant on. Yes, ma'am. Did you brush your teeth? They know things, man. They know things. How is it possible? And so third, we are trained in righteousness. That is, the Bible enables us to be trained to grow in righteousness. How many hours in a week? Anybody know? I got a million dollars for the person. No, I'm just kidding. How many hours in a week? Anybody know? Hundred. Did you Siri that? Did you Siri that? Or you just knew? <laughs> She's really smart. <laughs> 168 hours in a week. Think about this for a second. Bear with me. I'm almost done. 168 hours in a week. A third of that, a third of all those hours goes to what? Sleep. Some of you, it's like way more. You like my naps. I need my naps. Another third of that (laughs) said traffic. No. Well, maybe. Another third of that, work and school. Work in school. This is on average. Work in school. On average, how many of you guys, how many of you, you spend some time on social media? Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You spend some time on social media. Oh, my gosh. I don't ever do that. Oh, my goodness. All of you do. All of you do. Except Avelino. Well, he does sometimes. Um. We all spend some time on social media. On average, do you know how many hours a week you spend on social media? 17 hours a week. I did a survey of this Manual Worship Center. We're only at 16 hours. No. (laughs) 17 on average. Guess how many hours are left? 39. 39 hours left. So now think about that. After sleeping, after work in school, after social media, you've got about 39 hours for all the other stuff. 
dragging your kids to all their events, sports, after school events, birthday parties, all those. If you have a large family, get ready. Grocery shopping, cooking, dinner, cleaning, paying the bills. That hour-long conversation with your about-to-be girlfriend or boyfriend. Watching that latest series on Netflix. About 39 hours. Working out, yoga. Nobody does yoga anymore. Hobbies. What's missing? God, right? Most people on average spend one hour a week to God. On average. One hour a week for those in America that would call themselves Christians. It's no wonder Americans, you know, Americans who would call themselves Christians are struggling. It's probably a reason that maybe some of us in the room today are struggling. How much time are we really devoted to God? How much time are we really spending with the Lord? If we want to be all in with Jesus, it's not going to happen by accident. Amen. Because all this other stuff is just going to get in the way. And so what I'm saying is that to be all in, to be fully devoted, to decide that you're going to be focused, intentional, and consistent in pursuit of Jesus. I want to show you a verse that Jesus said. Can I get that? Uh, in John 15, John chapter 15, verse 5, and I'll, I'll, I'll wrap up. Bible says, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Who's the vine? Who's the vine? Jesus is the vine. And you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, your version may say remain, may say remain. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. I was thinking about this. You can't be the branch on one hour a week, man. Just can't do it. Can't be the branch coming to church on a Sunday, checking off a box, and leaving God out of your rest of your life, out of the rest of your week. Can't do it. I'm just telling you, you can't do it. The Bible says that we should be equipped for every good work. Amen? And we get that. We get there becoming complete and equipped for every good work by abiding in the one who gives us life. Because this branch, I'm just going to tell you, will never be able to experience life again. 
This is a dead branch because it has been ripped apart from its source of life. It's not going to experience any strength. In fact, it's fragile. No fruit. The way that we experience the life that God wants us to have is to remain connected to him, to abide in him, to dwell in him, where he is the source of life. There's no better illustration than what Jesus gives us right here. If you want to bear fruit and experience newness of life, you have to abide in me. If you're going to go all in, if you're going to be committed, you got to abide in Christ. And how do we do that? How do we know that we're abiding in Christ? How do we know that? Because of the time spent, the focus, the intentionality of staying and remaining in his word. If you read your word and you study his word, You know what happens? You become complete. And you will begin to learn all that God wants for you and all that God has for you. You'll experience life, true life. You'll grow in worship. You'll you'll see God in new ways. You'll grow in your prayer walk. You will grow in talking to other people about Christ, you will grow in boldness. You will see the, you will begin to see and apply the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. All these things will begin to unfold because the truth of God's word is being made manifest in your life. You cannot get there unless you go all in. Amen. You receive that word today? Man, would you stand with me? Praise God.